Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 619, and this week we are looking at a KKSB case. Mm-hmm. This nice. is, while well, we've looked at KKSB cases in the past, they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Solid steel cases for single-board computers. Cool. This one's built for the Raspberry Pi 3B+, and those type of form factor, and it has a 7-inch capacitive touchscreen built in. Nice. You don't want to miss out on this, folks. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream, Wirecast, and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. It's episode number 619, and it is wonderful having you here. We've got a great show planned for you, but before we get into it, I want to remind you, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and click that bell, and that's going to make sure that you get the notifications anytime we post new valuable content or when we are that's live. Like yeah. Yes. We never post old. We don't want you to miss it. We do not want you to miss it. Absolutely. So we appreciate everyone who does subscribe. Hey, this week we are looking at the KKSB 7-inch Raspberry Pi screen case. Yes. It's like a big, long name. <laughs> but basically, we've looked at a, a KKSB case before that has mm-hmm. the 13-inch screen. Yes. That thing is fantastic. But I need something a little more portable, a little more, like, fit in your bag and take it with you wherever you go kind of thing. Okay. Right. We're all fans of Raspberry Pi here, microcomputing, and uh, KKSB makes some of the greatest cases. Um, so let's get right into it. I'm just going to jump right down here. I've got everything I need. I've got oh, my... That was that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> i got my trusty Raspberry Pi 3B+. I've got a Canakit 2.5 amp power supply for the Raspberry Pi. And we've got the case. This is from KKSB. You can get one at cat5.tv slash pi, but this is not an advertisement. This is not late night television to try to sell you something. Oh, I want to show you. I want to show you. But I want to make sure that you have access to it at the same time. Yeah. So let's get into the box and let's are, see. Are we unboxing here? We're not unboxing at the unboxing camera? You know what? I'm just going to do it right here, Jeff. Oh, my goodness. What? We've Changing got, it up. This is madness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Uh, okay, we've got a lint-free cloth for w- wiping it down. We've got uh, the manual for a screen. So this is, of course, um, like the last one, it's a capacitive touch screen. And this okay. one is just a lot more, like, tiny. Oh. oh but at the same time, guy. it's got the same quality that you expect from KKSB. This is a, uh, let's see here, if I can get in. Oh, it's, Do like, it. stuck to the tape there we go it works this is a laser cut powder coated high grade steel case this looks amazing very nice right so professional there you go these are uh, some of the best cases as far as the ruggedness and the mm. quality. Uh, they are just fantastic. The screen is 1024 by 600. Uh, it is touch screen, and, uh, and it actually is going to, uh, well, it's going to connect to a Raspberry Pi right here. So Perfect. let's see what else is in the box, and then let's oh, see oh, oh. about uh, what it takes to get this thing set up. So we've got cables here. Very important. Very important. Mm-hmm. 
uh, a nice short HDMI cable to oh, connect beautiful. the screen, nice. which is nice because it, rather than having oh, a big yeah. long length that you've got to wrap up, mm -hmm. comes with that one. We've got USB, which I don't see a power cord for this particular screen, mm -hmm. so I imagine that the USB is going to not only provide the touch screen capabilities, but also mm -hmm. the power to the 7-inch screen itself. Okay. And then we've got uh, some screws there. Always fun. And that a little bit there. And an Allen key. And the mount plate. And, key. and yeah. we've got the, uh, the actual stand as well for, nice. for a level surface. Okay, so let's get into this guy right here. So we've got... That's not the one. Let's see. We've got an Allen key right here. Mm -hmm. I'd like you to meet my friend Allen. Now let's pull this thing apart. All right. So would this be easier than building IKEA furniture so far? Definitely. Yes. I kind of like that it doesn't come in pieces. Mm -hmm. It comes assembled, so I can see exactly how it's going to go back together, Henry. Okay. I'd like to point out nobody's read the manual yet. <laughs> Was there a manual? <laughs> <laughs> well, the manual's it's for like the, the screen. thing. How, how difficult is it going to be? What does the screen manual tell Jeff us there, Jeff? going to find out do not remove screws. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, don't remove the screws on the back. A bit late for that. So, note, you need to first connect the USB cable before the HDMI cable. Otherwise, the backlight may cannot turn on. May cannot. <laughs> so that's for the screen itself. Yes. But had you done it the other way, you would have been like, oh, it there doesn't we work. We're in, Jeff. We've got a couple of standoffs here. Excellent. I'm just pulling those off with my fingers. Wow, the uh, English in this is impressive. Oh, yeah? Huh. Yes. <laughs> uh, I will believe you there. <laughs> Jeff will translate our manual for us. There we are. Okay. Let's get into our Raspberry Pi 3B+. Plus. All right. Fresh out of the box? Fresh out of the box. Nice. Come on now. What is that? There we are. There you All go. right. And that is going to go right in there, just perfect like fit. we expect from KKSB. It is just that, a beautiful, perfect fit. Standoffs are going to go back on. Huh. I have no clue what potentiometer is. Potentiometer. Oh. oh. Now we know. But close. <laughs> that does not look like that at all. Potentiometer. <laughs> and apparently there's ghost problems. Oh. <laughs> Don't ghost me. <laughs> Who are you going to call? There we are. Da, da, da. Well, it fits in there nice, quite nicely. Oh, yeah. Now, obviously, this won't work for a Raspberry Pi with the fan. You'd mm. have to use the heatsink. Now, why do you think that, Jeff? You said obviously. Well, so I want to know what makes it seem obvious. Well, it's a metal case, and it doesn't have the hole for the fan. My dear friend. How? Where does the fan connect what? to, though? How do you mean? Power? No, no, no. Where are you going to put the fan inside? Oh, to that? screw it in? Yeah. Well, this goes on top? Yeah. Well, Would it I mean, be an this external is, fan? Yeah, you could, but mm. wouldn't you do, couldn't you just have one that is built into the heatsink? I, I think it's okay. still meant for the, for the heatsink. I don't know. Okay. Like, I'm trying to mm. think of my Raspberry Pi at home with the fan, yeah, yeah. and I don't think the fan would fit. Because it's one that you screw into a yeah. case. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a little different. In that case, Jeff, what I would do, if you wanted to put a fan on here, yep. mm -hmm. is I would just put a little bit of 3M double-sided tape 
on, oh, on the fan, yeah, okay. just around oh. the edge of the fan, yep. and then you can stick actually stick the fan on here. Steam. That's going to hold it nice and snug. Yep. Fair enough. If you don't have double-sided tape, a little bit of hot glue, that'll hold it there. Yep, that works. Yep. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's uh, all right, put the case back on. There we are. We've got the Raspberry Pi 3B Plus in its place. There we are. Line that up. You're looking professional. Oh, While yeah. You're doing that, there we go. I just want to say welcome back to Lyndon, who's in the chat hey, room. Hey, Lyndon. For a very long time. Yeah, Aww. good to have you back, dude. All right. Put those screws in. This is some exciting TV right here. I can almost just tell you, well, there's screws to hold this all together. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't necessarily have to put them together live on the air, but I can. You, you, you pay attention to those small details. Those little details. It's the little riveting, details. Yes. riveting nature of Cat 5. It is. Uh -huh. Look at those screws being... <laughs> Look at that, folks. 10 out of 10. And because we're best. live, I can't even speed it up. That's right. You know? <laughs> There we are. And you just kind of feel your way with these big long screws. Right. And get that. I, I just feel so excited, there we though, go. about all the potential uses for this. <laughs> yeah, so you know. With this, I mean, as I'm looking at it, my first thought is a, a photo frame. True. You don't want to be perfect for that, but a smart photo frame. Yeah. How about that? True, true. Something that connects to a server and mm -hmm. grabs your photos from the server yep. and rotates through them. Or could you even write a script for the Pi to pull it from, say, like your Facebook or Instagram account? Sure. There you, you go. Yeah. And that way, as you go live with new photos, they update instantly. You can have it uh, search through your photos for certain tags yeah. in the descriptions. Mm -hmm. See, that there would work are. for, say, family That's all there is to abroad. That'd be nice. Oh, yeah. Maybe like a, an elderly parent or grandparent that doesn't have Facebook mm -hmm. that wants to get constant updates of photos. The thing yeah. to remember with this, Jeff, is it is a full Linux computer. That is true. So nothing to yes. it. It's, it's literally Linux. So, and it's a computer. It's not just a screen. It can right? do anything. Yeah. Adam. All right. So then finally, we've got this guy on the back. Mm -hmm. Just going to screw that together. More screws. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But even if like you're a small business or something, you need to set up a kiosk or... Oh, exactly. I like that idea. If you just want like a little tablet to draw on. <laughs> That's right. It could be so many things. What I do like is that it has the screw holes on the base mount as well so that you can secure it. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on what you're using it for, it's not going to move around. So what Jeff is talking about, as I so sophisticatedly put this together for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm doing this kind of on the side as the guys are talking. So, I mean, you can imagine it's not very difficult to assemble. Right. I'm doing my thing. What Jeff's talking about is if you were to use this in a business environment or a school environment, mm -hmm. you don't want someone walking off with it. Yeah, and it actually has screw down. holes. Perfect. So we've got three screw holes. We can actually mount this on the counter in such a way that nobody can walk off with it. There you go. Yeti Wizard asks, how is this display different than the stock Pi display? So if you get the stock Pi display or anything else... Is it capacitive touch? Ooh. This screen is, I mean, this is the, uh, the WaveShare touch screen. Mm -hmm. So we know that WaveShare makes some excellent screens. I'm not going to, I've got two more screws to put in, but I just want to kind of expedite things. It's solid. So, um, but what we're looking at here Let's is, box out of the way. yeah, this Maybe. guy. 
All right, so we've got USB for power, and mm -hmm. that's going to go in here. That also Thank gives you. us the touch capability. Now, awesome. did you do it in proper fashion? Well, I plugged it in first, Jeff. Did no, you do the USB matter. before the HDMI? He did. It doesn't he matter. Did. Excellent. I can confirm. doesn't matter. You Power's not on. <laughs> Power's not on. on fire. That's my heart. <laughs> oh, no, you did it backwards. <laughs> Explodes in my hands. All that's left is the little stand. That's awesome. Here we go. All right, so some would look at this and say, okay, that's a little bit janky because you've got these cables, cables sticking, sticking out the out. side, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's something that I love about that. It'll work with any SBC that you can connect to it. That is true. So nice. keep in mind, if you want to do Raspberry Pi 3B+, like I'm doing here today, mm -hmm. it's going to work perfectly. But what if you want to go with like a, an Asus Tinkerboard, which hmm. is going to fit this case too? Cool. That's right, right. yeah. Um, you're not limited to the I.O., yeah. You're not limited to the uh, capabilities of a particular okay. proprietary cable that only works on Raspberry Pi, mm -hmm. right? So there you have it. That's nice. all there is to assembly. Now, in the instructions, there is a little bit of code that you need to add to Raspbian. There's a config that you need to add. It's right here. So you just yep. open up the file the, uh, on, on your boot partition mm -hmm. and add four lines of code. Oh, just that's it? Five. In, in Notepad. Five? Yeah. Oh, five. Yeah. It has instructions right there. Yep. So there it is. That's easy all set. So hold on to that because you will need the instructions to add that little bit of code. Mm -hmm. And all that does is it sets the resolution to 1024 by 600. It sets it to uh, HDMI mode 87. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, and it uh, sets the position of the screen and the overscan so that you don't have black borders around on the screen. Uh, okay. right? But more importantly, it forces you to read the manual. There you go. Those five lines. Yeah. The five lines in the manual, that's all you need. But make sure you plug in the USB first. Otherwise, as Henry explained, it will explode. Yes. <laughs> Gotta make sure it's nice and clean. These are the KKSB 7-inch screen cases. Nice. I, I can't really give you the impression that I have of it other than, like, this is rugged. Mm -hmm. This feels, I mean, this is... Well, it is, feels professional. It looks professional, It's right? yep. much more well, it's very solid. solid. It's n there's no plastic mm -hmm. seen here. Um, the cables, uh, you can tuck them in as best you can, but you can also... You just get like an L connector, right? Like an L... Yeah, you could do that. Minimize it. I don't mind the cables because I like the fact that I can use this for anything. And you can, there in fact, go. because it's full-sized HDMI, mm -hmm. unplug the Raspberry Pi and use this as a screen for any HDMI device mm -hmm. and then go. plug it back in again and you're back to using it as a Raspberry Pi. Nice. So it is not compatible with the Raspberry Pi 4 out of the box and that is because Raspberry Pi 4 has a different placement of the HDMI right. outputs plus oh, okay. it's a micro HDMI versus uh, two of them versus a full-sized HDMI. Oh. So it's not that you couldn't fandangle something to make it work if you've got the ability to cut steel you would be able to punch a little hole to be able to make it so that it works with a Raspberry Pi 4. Mm -hmm. Th there's no limit to, like, the screen will work with it. Mm -hmm. yep. But the case itself, because it's built for Raspberry Pi 3B Plus and before, um, that's the type of output for the HDMI that the case is compatible with. Okay. So that's what we're up against with the Raspberry Pi 4. But it's not to say that you couldn't do a little bit of nice. hardware hacking to make it work. Sounds like a challenge. Mm -hmm. Let's, we, make, we can hack make this it happen. 
make it so then we can like control a drone or something. Ooh. Let's just order like Do pizza so or things. something. <laughs> no, no, let's get on that code. It's a full computer, guys. So, I mean, come up with some ideas. Let us know how you would use this. Is it a kiosk? Is it a little computer to be playing games on? Is it something that you want to be able It's touchscreen. So, hey, you could use that. I could install um, Google Remote Desktop on that, mm -hmm. and I could control Telestream Wirecast using a touchscreen on a Raspberry Pi. I like that. In real time. Now, you could use a USB uh, to hook up to, say, a webcam. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you could use that for video conferencing. That's true, too. Yeah, that would be a great little video conferencing unit. Can I get, like, yeah. a little command and control center for your house? Yeah. Or your basement? There you go. Yeah, I'm sure Bo from Ameridroid <laughs> would come up with something cool. That guy just, like... Yeah. Zombifies everything. Set to it. Set to it. <laughs> All right, folks, get yours at cat5.tv slash pi. We've got some links there in order to, uh, to take a look at those. And uh, we've got the purchase links and more information as well. We've got to take a really quick break. Now, when we come back, we're going to be learning how to use the free GNU image manipulation program, do a little bit of graphic editing, but we're going to use, uh, we're going to use it specifically to create thumbnails for our YouTube videos that really pop. Nice. You're going to learn some strategies that are going to transcend just the YouTube thumbnail. So don't think, oh, I don't broadcast on YouTube, so I don't need it. We're going to learn all kinds of neat little tricks on the GNU image manipulation program. Stick around. Welcome back, everybody. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Jeff Weston. I'm Henry Bailey Brown. Nice to have you here. We're looking at the GNU Image Manipulation Program. And just before, just Aww. during the break, we took this picture. And we're going to turn this into an amazing thumbnail for YouTube that is going to pop. Now, if you're not a YouTuber, it's okay. You're going to learn some really neat strategies today in order to do some editing in this free visual editor this photo editor called the GIMP, or GNU Image Manipulation Program. You can download it absolutely free for Windows, Mac, and Linux at GIMP.org. Let's get right into it. Okay, so one of the things that we need to do is we need to cut ourselves out of this picture. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to use this lasso marquee, which they call the free select tool, and I'm going to click a single point at the bottom of my arm here. And as I follow along. See, it's a straight line, Henry? Yes. I can actually click on points and trace around my torso really, really easily. Now, if I mess up like that, I can actually move these lines. Perfecto. Okay. It's like a nice little pen tool that I can kind of like cut things out or something? Exactly. Oh, So we actually want to be able to cut each of us out of this photo. Okay. So it's just a really, really quick job. I'm doing this really, really quickly on the air so that uh, this doesn't take up uh, all of our time, but you can take as much time as you want to do this. Yeah, we're just going to get around here. Oh, oh bring, my goodness. Oh, no. Out. I don't want to have a little bit of a flat head there, so I'm just going to fix that. Don't you love that you can do that in the GNU image manipulation program? So, I mean, if I, I oh, I've done that oh, by no. accident, I can grab this point and bring it back in. Excellent. See that? I can go back to this point, bring it back in. So it's as easy as that. Going around me. Okay. Nice and easy. Brilliant, right? Okay. I got me. 
I'll just do that. Boom. Yeah. Hit enter. And now control C, control V. I've created a new floating selection. I'm going to right click and go layer to new layer. Now, if I turn off that background layer, it's it just like Robbie. You. Yeah. So now I'm going to get the next guy. So this Ooh. is, the, Jeff is behind me, so I don't have to trace around my arm. I can just start anywhere in my arm okay. and trace around Jeff. Here we go. Nice face there, Jeff, by the way. Thank you. I said Beautiful. smile, and he's so happy. Yeah. Happy to be here. Make sure you get Can the curvature I? of the hair right. Oh, yes. Every it's so much hair. easier when you're bald. <laughs> <laughs> if you got spiky hair, you're going to have trouble with this. I could just use the round circle marquee, and it would do just fine. There we go. See how easy that one was? Enter. And now back to the first layer. I don't want to copy on my layer. I want to mm -hmm. copy on the bottom layer. Control-C, Control-V, right-click, layer to new layer. Now, turn it off. That's what we have. Whoa. I can turn off Jeff. Oh, I can turn off me. Oh. We're two separate layers, okay? Stealthy. Now, let's go over to Henry. See hey, how guys. quickly this can be done? Again, we're using the lasso marquee, a.k.a. free select, and we'll trace around Henry. Like a pro. Yeah. It's a good thing I got my hair cut. <laughs> now, as you're doing this, Yeti Wizard is asking in the chat room, wouldn't you want to use the feather to selection uh, to smooth the edges to the cut or something like that? If you wanted to get that precise, no, not in this case, because um, we're not, that's not what we're doing. Okay. So what we're doing is we're creating a border. I'm going to show you how this works. All right. Uh, I've got Henry, and I'm going to control C. Now, what? What uh, was being asked there is if I should feather it and give it a softer edge. No, I don't want that in this case. I want a hard edge on these photos. So now it looks like that. Okay. okay. Cool. There's Henry. Oh, no, I'm gone. Hey. There's Jeff. There's me. Okay. Cool. See how quick and easy that is? So now I'm going to go to my layer, and I'm going to right-click on the layer. You're going to understand why I don't want a feather. I'm going to go alpha to selection, and now it's actually going to select me perfectly. Now I'm going to right-click. And I need to go layer, layer to image size, okay? So that now, see how the orange box is around me? Yep. Yeah. If I go layer, layer to image size, that orange box is now the image size, oh, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So now, because I right-clicked on my layer and chose alpha to selection, I am perfectly bordered, okay? So now I'm going to right-click and go select, grow, and let's try, uh, this is 5,100 pixels wide. So I'm going to try 30 pixels and hit enter. You're going to see that layer, that selection grow around me. Okay. okay. Mm. See that? So now I'm going to go one layer below me, which is the Jeff layer, and I'm going to right-click and go new layer. I feel like this is some hierarchy of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I've created a new layer, which is absolutely blank, and I'm going to right. I'm going to actually first click on here, make sure that I've got white selected, mm -hmm. and right click, and then fill with the white color. So now I've got this perfect border right around me. Okay, Whoa. see that? So if I turn off my layer, it actually looks like that. Oh, okay. But it's 30 pixels bigger than me. Okay. Right. Awesome outline. Now I'm going to do the exact same thing to Jeff. I'm going to go alpha to selection, right click, layer, layer to image size. Right-click, select, grow, because I want to make that, uh, that border him, mm -hmm. okay, that selection. Now I'm going to go to Henry's layer, one layer below Jeff. Create a new empty layer. Right-click, edit, fill. Okay? <laughs> See what's happening there? Now I'm going to go to Henry. Same thing. What am I going to do? Oh, what did I just do? I right-clicked on something. 
All right, Jeff, tell me what I'm going to do. I wasn't paying attention. I was looking, oh, at, the gosh. I was looking at the chat. Okay. The I'm going to right-click. I'm going to go alpha to selection. Then yes. what's next? I'm going to right-click, and I'm going to go layer, layer to image size. Yep. Okay. Now I'm going to right-click, select, grow. By 30. 30. Same for each guy. And then I'm going to go one layer below, and I'm going to create a new layer. And then I'm going to fill my marquee with white. Excellent. Okay? So now... You've seen it on YouTube. We've got this perfect border around each of us. It's beautiful. Right within the image. See that? Okay. Now I'm going to blur that background a little bit. So I'm going to go back to the background layer. I'm going to go right click and go filters, blur, Gaussian blur. Uh, you know what? I actually prefer the legacy blur feature. Oh, yeah? So Why filter, is that? blur. Uh, I think it's just a little. Um, it's the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the one that it's included, though. So let's let's increase the size of the blur. Let's see what that's going to do for my background. See how it's just kind of bringing the focus off of that. I don't want it to be too stark. I just want to bring us out of the photo a little bit. See that? Nice. There we go. Okay, next step. So there, I've got a bit of a blur on that background. Next step, I'm going to right-click, and I'm going to go Image, Canvas Size. Now, what do we know about our thumbnails? We need to make sure that they are proportional 16 over 9. So mm. 1920 by 1080 is a traditional 1080p video um, dimension. Now, if we don't size our image correctly to 16 over 9, we're going to have black bars either on the top and bottom or the left and right Correct. of our thumbnail. Yeah. So because this is for YouTube, we're gonna, I'm going to actually just copy the width. So what I've done is I've gone image, canvas size, and copy the width. That's where I'm going to start. So just double click and control C. Now I'm going to go 1920, make a mental note of 2916. So 1080. Then I'm going to turn on this link between them and then repaste my width. Okay. There we go. Okay. So this is already 16 over 9. Oh, perfect. It is perfect. Excellent. Because the, it still remained with a height of 2916. So I don't need to rescale this at, at all or recrop re the, uh, the canvas. Now, while you were doing that, yeah. Yeti Wizard uh, asked another question in okay. the chat room and wanting to know the significance of using the different sizes of the layers between the image size versus the selection size. And as I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one, if you went by the selection size, you wouldn't be able to then do the expansion of 30 pixels because the selection size is to what you cut. Whereas so we when mean when we, cr when we change when you, you the layer the to the image size? That's right. So then okay. when you do the outside, then you have more to work with. Is that correct? Can I explain? So I've, I've taken, <laughs> no, not wrong. Just let me explain it in a, in a real easy to understand way. So when I cut out me, okay, as yes. an example, or we cut out you, mm -hmm. now I copy you to the clipboard and paste. So now the layer ends right here. Right. So now if I grow mm -hmm. 30 pixels, it goes beyond the, it's going to go selection. beyond the, no, not the selection. The, the selection is going to go beyond the, the border of the layer. Right. Okay. So now when I fill, it's going to get cut off 30 pixels above your head. Right. Yeah, because, because the, the white you're is an outside. Layer. You're outside of the layer. Right. right? Okay. So by making the layer okay. fill the entire canvas size, now we can then go beyond 30 pixels beyond the top, bottom, left, right edge of the layer. Of the image. It's what I meant. Okay. I just didn't say it that way. Mind mm. blown. All right. So there we go, folks. There's our image for the thumbnail, but we need to have text. Okay. And there's... Mm. You've got text on your shirt. 
Yeah. Why isn't that sufficient? <laughs> so there's a way to Enhance. do this that YouTube just loves. Let's grab, let's try the impact font to start. So I've selected the text tool here, and then I've selected my font, and I'm going to scroll and see if we can find impact. Uh, let's see, it's a little hard to scroll. Can you not just hit I to go to, does it not work that way? Probably. No, I wouldn't. J, K, H, I. It's not in order? Yeah. Hello, maybe <laughs> I don't have impact. What? Which is fine if I don't have the MST, because I'm on Linux, so if I don't have Microsoft fonts installed, mm -hmm. it's okay. Right. Impact is one that is definitely going to work well for this. Mm -hmm. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a text box. Uh, let's actually put this on a top layer. So I'm going to create a new layer. There we go. And let's just find a font that we like. Yeah, okay. There we go. Just create that like that. And let's call this episode 7-inch Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. screen. Just like that. Okay. So now it's this very, very little text. I'm going to make that a lot bigger. Let's try 200 point. That's a, or 200 picks. It's too, still too small. 500. Oh, a little bit too extreme. big. Extreme. Yeah. 350? Well, I'll just kind of use the arrow here to go down. But now let's, uh, let's find a font that we like. So I'm actually going to go up to the top right here so that I can click on one font and then use my arrow key to move down. Nice. See that? Okay, so I kind of like that. That's sans serif bold italic. And then I'm going to just make it so that it all fits on one line. So I'm just going to go down, 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 down. Mm -hmm. Till we get there. Almost there. Honey, I shrunk the text. <laughs> Almost there. Uh, Come on, baby. I called 350. So I think it's going to be close. It's going to be oh, close. Oh, oh. We're at Buffer 375. Below. It's going to be different depending on the resolution of your image. Mm -hmm. So the numbers that we're using for the size oh. of the font. Oh, there oh, we go. 342. <laughs> so close, Jeff. Yeah. I'm within seven. But let's go down to, let's try 325 because we need a little bit of space on the edge. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to change that font to white. So there we go. And I'm going to position that just down here. <laughs> now here's where things get a little interesting. I'm going to, again, right-click on my font and mm -hmm. go alpha to selection. And this is cool because without rasterizing the font, I've created a selection of the font. Oh, okay. I'm not using, like, the magic wand selection tool right. or something yeah, yeah. silly like that. No, I'm actually selecting the alpha of the uh, of the the font. So yep. now I can right click and I can go select grow. Let's try 30 again. And now one layer below, right click and go new layer. And this time we're going to fill black our foreground color. There we go. So now it just pops right out. So now on that black layer, I can right click again and go filter light and shadow. Let's use a legacy drop shadow. I'm going to turn off allow resizing because we don't want it to mess with our dimensions of the image. I'm going to turn off the offset and set my blur radius to 50 pixels and the opacity to, let's try, like 90. And then hit OK. And there we go. We've just got like a subtle kind of pop-out glow there. Nice. There you have it. So there's our thumbnail, folks. Very cool. All nice done. 
all done through the GNU image manipulation program. And you might have cool. thought that putting a border around everybody was going to be a lot of work. Yeah. It's actually super That's simple. simple. There you go. You can take it one step further and you can say, you know what, I want to change the background. So you can turn off that background layer and pop us on uh, a different background. And Beach quite, in Hawaii. Well, oh, quite. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's fine by me. But quite, quite typically, what folks will do is they'll grab two shades of the same color and create a new layer down here. And let's get it go OK. And then let's use a gradient. And we'll change this to uh, a radial shape. And let's grab it from my teeth over to here, you know, and do something like that. You've seen that kind of thing happening yes, as well. Cool. Yep. Uh, I can reverse that. So behind my head is the lighter of the two colors. There we go. Again, nice. you're the top layer. The glow is behind you. Exactly. I'm sensing a hierarchy here. <laughs> do you want Goldberg. me to put your arm in front of my arm? No, like maybe no, we'll no, just do not. some visual I'm editing not, I'm here. Not get in the way. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. All right. So that's the GNU cool. Image Manipulation Program. Check it out at GIMP.org. It's absolutely free, no matter what platform you're on. Go grab it. Very nice. Cool. Well, it's time to head over to the newsroom, Jeff. Ah, if geez. you are set, I am. Take it away, my friend. All yeah. right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category Five TV newsroom. Scanning of random reports and the use of encrypted malware by online criminals is on the rise, according to a threat report by Sonic Wall. A semi-autonomous robot designed to operate in hostile environments has been developed by NASA, and word is that it could be used to help build a base on Mars. ESET researchers discovered a new Android ransomware family that attempts to spread to victims' contacts and deploys some unusual tricks. And Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux, is killing off support for legacy disk drive tech. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Jeff Weston, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Scanning of random ports and the use of encrypted malware by online criminals is on the rise, according to a threat report by Sonic Wall. Based on Sonic Wall's sampling of what it says were 700 million such intrusions by the end of 2018, around 20% of all mal malware attacks were coming through non-standard ports, a sum of which had decreased by 13% compared to 2018. The company explained that non-standard meant ports which are not in routine use by other programs, such as ports 80 and 443 for one's web browser. SonicWall Chief Executive Bill Connor says those in charge of malware deployments are certainly cognizant of this blind spot and continue to actively exploit it. Organizations aren't prepared for protecting this attack vector with the same diligence as standard ports. Encrypted malware was something else that SonicWall said was on the rise. Increasing by a quarter compared to the preceding 12 months, the 2018, in 2018, the company said that it had logged more than 2.8 million encrypted malware attacks, a 27% jump over the previous year. A variety of factors contributed to this trend in SonicWall's view. Ransomware as a service, that's R-A-A-S, open source malware kits and cryptocurrencies bounced back up. Uh, this is what the firm said with ransomware continuing to be a successful moneymaker for criminals that are deploying it. Connor says, I'm certain that a number of high-profile ransomware cases involving major U.S. cities also signaled that there are still large vulnerable targets out there, despite ransomware being a headline for the past four to five years. Not to point any fingers or anything, uh, but yeah. you know, we'll just say some high-profile <laughs> cities in the United States uh, that maybe have been attacked by ransomware. Maybe. 
so what shocks me kind of about this is that mm-hmm. after this length of time, yeah, we're going, oh, there's other ports we should be looking at. Mm. Like I, to me, that's common sense. Yeah. I use CSF LFD on my servers, and it watches for port scans and blocks the IP address if someone tries one. Right. Mm. But it's absolutely uh, secure. It, it, it shows that security through obscurity is not security at all. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because some people will do this where, oh, yeah, I need remote desktop, so I just won't use 3389. I'll use 3392. Nobody will ever guess that. Or whatever, right? But a port scan actually looks incrementally at all the ports, and most likely you're not blocking those port scans. And if yes. that's the case, and they find that 3392 as opposed to 3389, and they see that that's the RDP protocol that's running, well... Not good. Yeah. So if I just said a whole bunch of things that make absolutely no sense, just know that this is a serious issue. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that's what kind of bothers me is, like... I, that is not common thinking for me, but at the same time, I think of that and go, you need to be monitoring all the ports. Mm-hmm. Why would security professionals not be thinking that way from the get-go? There's two approaches. One is to monitor all the ports, yes, but the second is just to lock down by default. Mm-hmm. 100% all ports are closed. Unless you open them. Unless you specifically open the ports tried doing that at home, became a bit of a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then still, if a port scan takes place, mm-hmm. what, what action is being taken? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a way to hide your ports, though? So then they don't respond saying, oh, this port is open, this port Ooh, is closed. that's a good point. If they are open, they will presumably respond. But is there a way to, like, hide yourself besides unplugging your computer? Kind of like a port cloaking device. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the, the, the best way is to have a proper firewall in place that uses okay. login failure daemon or something like that. So that, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, port 22 is open, mm-hmm. but if they guess the wrong password three times, lock their IP address out of my network. Right. Cool. Right? Because if I'm SSHing to my server, I know my password, I know my key. So if you're, if you're not using something like LFD, login failure daemon, mm-hmm. you have no protection against somebody brute forcing over and over once they find that Just trying port. to get in. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly why ransomware is a thing, because they're finding remote desktop protocol enabled on networks, and they're able to get in. And then someone says, well, I had antivirus. Yeah, but they remoted in <laughs> to the computer, and guess what? They turned off the danged antivirus. It's what do you button. think they're going to do? It's amazing how many people still think that antivirus protects them from everything. It doesn't. It, pr- it doesn't. <laughs> there is no disclaimer that says it will protect you from allowing somebody else access to your network. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing if you turn on things like RDP, regardless of whether you use obscure ports or not. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing, so, so to just kind of circle back and say, okay, looking at the story, what we're seeing, SonicWall themselves, the firewall company, mm-hmm. have noted that non-standard port attacks are on the rise. That's right. So okay. that means port scans are happening, and if you're not protecting yourself with LFD or some other type of login um, failure denial f- firewall, mm-hmm. then you are susceptible to those attacks because the ports are going to be open because you need the services, right? <laughs> totally. That's right. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Simple yet so complex. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
A semi-autonomous robot designed to operate in hostile environments has been developed by NASA, and word has it that it could be used to help build a base on Mars. A six-foot, two-inch semi-autonomous humanoid robot, Valkyrie, was designed with the ultimate goal by NASA, to help humans colonize Mars. The 300-pound robot has been prepped with a number of space-based trials by NASA's Space Robotics Challenge. The robot can use human tools and map its own path safely. It can navigate well across rocky terrain thanks to its hydraulic power. And at first sight, the Valkyrie is an Iron Man look-alike with a glowing circle in its chest marking the robot's status. Inside the infrared transparent faceplate, you'll find a whirring LiDAR sensor that constantly scans the surroundings for objects and obstacles. The robot has dual brains, two uh, Intel Core i7 computers, which translate the sensor's input. Although Valkyrie has tested with a power cord in place, it can run on a battery pack lasting an hour. There will be a host of cameras and sensors around Valkyrie, a multi-sense LS camera on its head, which combines laser, 3D stereo, and video, as well as an extra hazard camera looking ahead and behind from the torso. 38 sensors on each three-fingered hand will maintain dexterity and control. So basically, if you've ever watched the movie The Martian, Valkyrie will pretty much recreate its plot, minus the part about growing potatoes. Hmm. It's an interesting <laughs> story, but really, Iron Man? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like, it's got the logo the, right on like, the chest, yeah. illuminated. The story that I'm like, you just ruined it. You just Where? ruined it. <laughs> but it's actually kind of cool looking. It is cool. It, it is cool looking. I'm surprised, though, that it's i7. Yeah. That, now, <laughs> is that just because it's been in development for a little bit? That's my guess. Well, I mean... You don't need i9. For what it does. But no, but what, what my point is, and Ameridroid is saying, well, yeah. uh, that's going to kill the battery life. Because, yeah, you've got the hyper-threading, yeah. yeah, and it true. uses a lot of power, right? That's why an i3 notebook will, uh, and an i5 will, will last a lot longer on battery than an i7. Correct. Right? Because mm -hmm. the i7 is just bleeding the, the battery dry. But right. my thought is, it's surprising that they're creating... An autonomous robot that is not utilizing some of the more modern AI technology. Yep. Like, I'm talking mm. like neural technology. Well, it's still new, right? So that's just another thing that can go wrong. Do you think that as developers, like all of these new nano uh, processors have come out and they're like, oh, we built this thing on an <laughs> I on dual over. i7s. It's got a motherboard about this big and two honking heat sinks. In it. Well, I want to see what they do with that stuff then. Like, if this is just using i7s, imagine what they can do with that technology. Yeah, but if they're yeah. building it for CPU instead of NPU, yeah. then it's the wrong architecture. Right? They tried. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised that there wasn't any reference to solar panels. Like, the fact yeah. that it can only run right. on a battery for an hour, like, if you're going to go to Mars, put a solar panel. It's not like there's... They a must have. They're, they're not or it's going to have a charging though, station, right? Because... That's true. Farther from the sun and dust and stuff, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you have, like, yeah. a central hub they can go to... Yeah, and charge and true. then like do their thing. That's what I wonder, eh? Is, yeah. is having a massive hub where they charge. So like when it's done, so it works it's as like the scanning the area, it goes back like a Roomba <laughs> vacuum. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> but by doing it that way, by doing it that way, they can have a much larger base yeah, for the batteries yeah. for the for the charging station, and it can be lighter weight. It can be yeah, more mobile true. and more well, able it was to only, articulate. What, three inches wide. What was the the robot? It said something about like six feet and then three inches. I thought no. 
Three inches? <laughs> what was I reading? Really what are we looking at? It's just what? a stick. I was just reading with little was made of t- <laughs> <laughs> What use is that, Jeff? It just falls over. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to the beginning of the story because I'm positive gravity. I read three inches. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's cool, though. That's, that's exci- it's an exciting time we live in, but like they that's can use right. that on the moon and stuff, too. So space station there you yeah. go yeah you know we got to start somewhere right yeah baby steps let, to mars let wally get us uh ready wally. Then we can go after him. <laughs> wally. <sighs> all right ESET researchers discovered a new android r- ransomware family that attempts to spread to victims contacts and deploys some unusual tricks after two years of decline in android ransomware a new family has emerged We've seen the ransomware detected by ESET Mobile Security as Android file code distributed via various online forums. Using victims' contact lists, it spreads further via SMS with malicious links. Due to narrow targeting and flaws in both execution of the campaign and implementation of its encryption, the impact of this new ransomware is limited. However, if the developers fix the flaws and the operators start targeting broader groups of users, the Android file code ransomware could become a serious threat. Android file code has been active since at least July 12, 2019. Within the campaign, ESET discovered Android file code has been distributed via malicious posts on Reddit and the XDA Developers Forum, a forum for Android developers. The malicious activity was reported to XDA developers and Reddit. The posts on the XDA Developers Forum were removed swiftly. The malicious Reddit profile remained online. Android file code spreads further via SMS with malicious links, which are sent to all contacts in the victim's contact list. After the ransomware sends out uh, a batch of malicious SMSs, it encrypts most user files on the device and requests a ransom. Due to flawed encryption, it is possible to decrypt the, uh, the affected files without any assistance from the attacker. In one link that was shared on Reddit, the attackers used the URL shortener bit.ly. This bit.ly URL was created on June 11, 2019. Once potential victims receive an SMS message with the link to the malicious application, they need to install it manually. After the app is launched, it displays whatever is promised in the post distributing it. Most often, it's a sex simulator online game. However, its main purposes are command and control communication, spreading malicious messages, and implementing the encryption decryption mechanism. Hmm. Why SMS? Well, and this is what I'm thinking immediately is it just goes to show that you cannot trust that just because it's coming from my friend Mm -hmm. that it can be trusted. Mm -hmm. Like if you suddenly got an SMS, like if I got one from you and it said, hey, Robbie, click this link. And it was legitimately from your phone number because it's your phone that's infected. it, It automatically creates a level of trust for me. I so, never trust a link that comes in through tech. Not even the. But names. I'm talking. It, no, it comes from your phone number. Yeah. I, I, More I, than just someone you know, it's from your phone number. I know. So like I, every time I get a link it, through a text, I always respond back, going, "Is this legit? Did you send it yeah, to yeah. me? What does it do?" Hey Jeff. Yeah. What's with this sex game you sent me? <laughs> what <Exactly>. is this? <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like. Uh, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, by SMS, it seems a little bit more personal. Sure. Th- mm. Rather than, like, the Prince of Persia wants to give you a million dollars. Really? But <laughs> Sorry. But, but also, there's this fact that, like, I don't give my cell phone number to anyone. I don't even have your cell phone you, number. You may have, though. But I, some of, I I some of my... Yeah, me either. Maybe you've ne- you need to join the close circle, Jeff. But <laughs> so if I got I an SMS... I'm not down. I'm so, not in that circle. No, but think... You've never had a need to to contact me on my smartphone. That's true. That's so, true. because we're like we're so connected on like Discord and everything That's else. True. So, but 
if that was not the case, if it was somebody, so for someone like me who has so few people that I'm in communication with on my smartphone, yeah. right. what if it came from one of them? Mm-hmm. So like, that's fair. I don't, it's not like a bulk mail. It's like, that's from one of the 10 people who have my smartphone number mm-hmm. and it's their number and it shows on my phone as from them. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I, I have yeah. that level of trust. So we, we really have to be careful. They're it's getting a, smarter. And right? this could lead to new types of phishing scams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ransomware is one thing. So this is something that you have to install. Mm-hmm. But what if it was a link to a website that was a phishing scam? I've seen them where it's, where it's an Instagram. This is, Instagram is so stupid with their way that they've created their service because yeah. you have to log in in order to see the photos. Yes. Mm-hmm. So because of that, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Because of that, a phishing scam could easily trick me into thinking I'm opening Instagram and I need to log in in order to access the photo that's being sent to me. Yes. And then at the same time, it steals your login information. Exactly. Yeah. That's how phishing scams work. So that's something that didn't need to be installed. It's something that would have just shown up on my SMS messages from somebody well, that I trust. How many times do you see that where it's like, oh, you got to reset your password on your bank account? Sure. You yeah. know, and and people do fall that for that. Looks like the bank that account. seems like that's something a little harder to fall for. Right. The Instagram mm-hmm. example is very easy for someone to fall for. Oh, totally. So, you know. Like, Moral of the story, no downloading simulated sex games. Just stay away from them, folks. Yep. (laughs) Just stay away. All right. (laughs) Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux, is killing off support for legacy disk drive tech. Say goodbye to your save button. Floppy disks appeared in the 1970s, first as giant 8-inch disks, before slimming down to the 5.25-inch variety seen attached to many PCs and home computers of the 1980s. The 1980s also marked the beginning of the end of the traditional floppy with the considerably stiffer 3.5-inch version from Sony, which dumped the flexible sleeve protecting the magnetic media with something much more rigid with a metal covering that could be slid aside when inserted into into the drive's mechanism. The 1998's iMac's iMac courageously did not feature a floppy drive, and within the decade, the vast majority of PC makers had followed suit as CD, DVD, and USB storage became more prevalent. Much of the world has known the floppy was dead for some time, but Torvalds has made it official with a Linux kernel merge marking the floppy driver as orphaned. The issue is that there were plenty of USB drives out there. Actual PC hardware is becoming a thing of the past, thanks to motherboard makers ditching the relevant connectors and because very few people use floppy, floppy disks anymore. Torvalds observed that actual working physical floppy hardware is getting hard to find and considered the driver dead, with a few faint use cases still present in emulated environments. But if you really need to read those old disks, USB is going to be the way forward. Naturally, just being orphaned doesn't mean that the driver is actually disappearing immediately, but it does mean that unless some magic or magnetic medium meddler steps up to maintain it, the odds are it will be depreciated and eventually removed. Makes sense. Mm. I'm like at this point, so I, I got my laptop and it has no optical drive. Yeah. And so it's the same things change. Yeah, but it's the same kind of scenario where, so I actually went out and for 20 bucks I bought a USB optical drive. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, there's no need for an SATA optical driver anymore because it's USB. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's all universal serial bus. Well, same thing with a floppy disk. If you still use them, it's going to be an external USB. And uh, thinking back to the old ThinkPad days, yeah. like years ago, like in the 90s, like where the, the flash drive, uh, not the flash drive, pardon me, the, uh, the floppy drive became an external unit that plugged into USB. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was a, an upgrade component that you could buy to make your laptop backward compatible to those early disks. Mm-hmm. I still have a floppy of Commander Keen. Yeah? Amazing. I have Star Trek um, shareware discs. Oh, nice. Which is kind of neat. I use them as coasters and stuff like that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I was cleaning out a box of old discs, yeah. and one of my kids saw it, and he goes, Hey, that looks like the save button. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. I uh, wonder why. It does. Uh, let me tell you why. <laughs> so I explained it. Sit down and I will When I was your age. Exactly. Well, this is so weird because <laughs> I stored 1.44 megabytes. <laughs> Dad, a- what's a megabyte? Well, exactly. here's the thing. I just turned 25. And the thing is that, like, back in high school when I was in grade 9, yeah. our computers still have floppy disks. Yep. Like, in the sense that I was like, yeah, I could put it in and take it out and stuff. All right. And literally, our. Going through high school, we have until grade 10 and 11. All, like, the grade 9s coming in and stuff. What What is this for? Like, it's yeah. a weird rectangle. Like, my CD doesn't fit in it. What is it for? I'm like... Mm. Well, and, and the early USB flash drives were, what, 8 gigs? So... I think I had a 2. A 2 gig? But when you put that into the perspective of 1.44 megabytes, or d- dual oh, yeah. density was 2.88. So 2.88 megabytes it's like a photo and <laughs> a two terabyte or two gigabyte is 2000 essentially 200 2048 yeah uh one yeah 2048 that's a megabytes. lot of floppies that's a whole so. lot of floppies. <laughs> yeah remember Floppy. programs was like windows 3.1 disk 2 yes. disk 3 you thought the windows xp even with installer CDs. was horrible that's even with true. cds before dvds right yeah. it's just yeah. like cd1 cd2 cd3 oh my yeah, god yeah. you don't even know dude i know I'm, you don't I'm even like know until you try to install an operating system from nah. 1.44 meg floppies it's, it's and so then you got to disk 16 and it was corrupt <laughs> yeah and you oh, had to order disk sucks. 16 and make sure that the power didn't go out to the computer because you didn't want to have to start over it's those were the days i, I yeah. do remember it's the end stuff like that I, I think our first computer had the five and a quarter hmm. i don't yeah. remember the eight inch I well my first me. computer had an audio cassette deck that Really? Stored the data magnetically on on a cassette. So you used just normal cassettes, which are like a reel to reel tape kit. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it worked out. Walked down memory lane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, this is actually me. I've got to yeah. take a look at the uh, cryptocurrency Crypto report. report. Let's oh, see what we, go. we got here. <clears throat> okay. So in CoinGecko this week, uh, Bitcoin is up. $10,037.10 U.S. is the current value, gaining $232 this week. Well um, Facebook Libra is still not trading. Good. Litecoin is at $98.79 U.S., gaining $3.93 this week. Ethereum is at 215.48, losing just a little bit. Monero is staying fairly static at $80.04 US. Torque is actually um, starting to see some gains. We're at one ten thousandth of a cent. That's the highest I've yes. ever seen it. Wow. Uh, for a single there. Torque coin. So these awesome. being the, the very, very small coins. So the you, can, you can have lots stellite, of stellite. Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. yeah, that's right. Uh, Turtle coin is still slow and steady at 0.84 ten thousandths of a cent, losing 0.4. 
the moon. Zero four. Yep. Yeah, just <laughs> keep waiting, dude. Keep waiting. Lots We're going to be on <laughs> Mars before Turtle Coin goes to the moon. I'll That's tell you right. what. One day. Don't forget, if you are going to play around with cryptocurrency, make sure you only do as much as you can afford to lose. The cryptocurrency market never closes and is always volatile. That's it for the cryptocurrency report, Jeff. Excellent. Big thanks go. to Roy W. Nash and our community viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston filling in for Shasha Rickman. Shasha. 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 Sasha Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Robbie Ferguson. And I'm still Henry Bailey Brown. Good. I hope so. I'm glad nobody's changed identities. I know. It's pretty good. Keeps it consistent. Just Shasha. <laughs> That's Sean Connery Shasha. <laughs> Sasha's back next week, is she not? Yes. Sasha will be back next week. Yes. Uh, and uh, we have to take a very quick break, folks. Stick around. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We are just about out of time. but uh, Almost. Yeah, almost. Almost. Well, we got enough to see how your week was. Yeah. Did you cool. guys did you guys get anything good on Prime Day? Which was actually I, two days. I bought uh, an Echo device. You Ooh. did? Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And that's shopping. arrived, and you've been playing with it? It's or? arrived. We've been yeah. playing with it. It was the cool. uh, shopping list edition that really sold us. Yes. So really? now we are never without items on the shopping list. Cause Isn't the that brilliant? Up, within a week have gotten into the habit of, oh, I emptied that, you know, say the that keyword, is fantastic. add it to the shopping list. Yeah. That's great. So it the kids so are trained easy. that if they use the, up the ketchup, hey, Echo, uh, add ketchup to the shopping list. Exactly. So then mom and dad are at the store. Oh, we need ketchup. That's right. Sneaky. Beautiful. But I'm starting to play with some of the skills now. I'm playing different games. Oh, neat. So yeah. Like Did you add the fart skill? The kids love that. I, no, I've not added the fart you skill. You have to. I have not added the fart <laughs> skill, but we've added um, a, um, I forget which company it's from, but a, 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 a multi-language tutor for our son oh. who's homeschooled. So he's oh, that is too French. cool. Oh, yeah, awesome. so Echo's wow. going to be teaching him French. Kind of weird. Neat. But uh, also we added Jeopardy and the Would You Rather. No so way. We'll be playing with the kids. It's like, oh, would you rather? I love and it. The kids love it because, I mean, my kids are young, so they like the would you rather game. That's neat. And that yeah. gets them away huh. from video games. It's still digital, but it's like it's more like a yeah. traditional. Yeah, we're sitting there family. around the kitchen table. Yeah. And like, Isn't that fun? You know, answering things, we get to know Aww. a little bit more about each other. It's kind of yeah. fun. You know what I like about yes. my Echo Dot? What? Is that it has auxiliary output. It's like a headphone jack. Yeah. Oh. So I actually have my Echo Dot plugged into a good set of speakers. Oh, okay. So when, when I play music, it sounds really good. That's right. nice. Though I'm impressed with the quality of the actual device. There's mm -hmm. one thing about it that's mm -hmm. driving me nuts. What is it? And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just like the frequency that my voice comes across. Uh -huh. I have to like blood curdling scream at the Echo. <laughs> you just have to raise you just oh. have to raise the tone tone of your voice. What time is it? It's but it's it's <laughs> nuts. Like I could be three feet from the thing, giving the keyword, yeah, and it's not recognizing me. And my daughter walks up and goes, "Bleh," and it's like, 
It just likes nice. it better. Like, come on. Yeah, it favors little little girls. Yeah, it's it's anti ginger. That's the problem. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we just lost all the sales to all of the redheads out there, Jeff. Well done, well done. Oh, no. My Prime Day deal. Yes, was, you get? Oh, I had a dead tree in the backyard. Not oh. a big one. Not a big one. I don't remember um, a dead tree. Yeah, it was there. And if. Huh. And, and if it was bigger, I would have had to hire an arborist to come out. But mm-hmm. an arborist is like $250 for the first hour. And, wow. and, and so I got on to Prime Day. And it was actually quite interesting because I had added this thing to my cart yeah. previously. But when Prime Day hit, I got an email that said, that thing that's in your cart is now 20% off. <laughs> nice. Yes. And that was a <laughs> nine-foot-long uh, extension pole with a chainsaw on the end of it. So, so it's cool. great for zombie apocalypses or, yes, or dead trees right. in the back. So this was just right. a little tree. So it was a lot safer for me rather than getting up on a ladder with a proper saw or something. It was a lot safer to stand on the ground with a nine foot long pole, cut off all the branches and then take down the, the base of the tree. It was safe. It was easy. And it cost me about uh, about a third of the price of having an arborist come in for one hour. Wow. And now I can use it over and over and over again. So hmm. uh, anytime, you know, it, for pruning or whatever, it, it's extension. So it goes up to nine feet, but it goes as short as like, I don't know, like maybe five feet or and so. Is it electric or gas? It's electric. So okay. you just run an nice. extension cord. It needs oil, but it's like $3 for a big thing of yeah, oil at the totally. hardware store. Don't buy the oil off of Amazon. It's like $25 on Amazon. It's oh, okay. $3 at the hardware store. So, uh, but this thing was great, man. That's so cool. I took it down. It was safe. I ha- there was very little damage. I took a little bit off of my fence, but I'll be able to fix it no problem. Um, and that was just like I had to decide, okay, uh, which is the safest way to, right. to make it fall. And uh, wow. that was great. That's awesome, too. Like, if somebody's spying on you with a drone, you can just be like, there you go. <laughs> if the drone's coming down nine feet. This is coming from the pilot, the drone pilot. Oh, good. So, this, so if I ever see you flying around the studio, it's be like, hey, Robbie, what's up? Wow. That's funny. Dude, bad suggestions. Uh, yeah. I, did, I did not suggest nothing at all. talking about Everybody, yeah, it has been. That, we're out of time. Yeah, it's been so <laughs> wonderful having you here. Great having you two here. As was said just before the break, Sasha, aka Shasha, is going <laughs> to be here. She's going to be here next week. Uh, Henry's here. You're off. We're I'm doing the whole party. like everybody's doing the summer That's thing. Exactly. So summer it's going to be uh, an amazing show. Henry's going to be teaching us how to fly to the moon. So you yeah. don't want to miss out so on what? that. Go yeah, it's true story. true story. True story. Wow. Yeah, take your take your i7 robots with you. Take my yeah. turtle coin with you. <laughs> <laughs> turtle to there the you moon. Go. Just take one turtle coin to the moon with you, will you? <laughs> did it, guys. You yeah. did it. <laughs> Yay. Uh. All right. So have a great week, everybody. Don't forget, uh, we are on Twitter at Category5TV. Me personally, I am on Twitter at Robbie Ferguson, and I follow back. Uh, we're on YouTube as Category5TV, and you'll find us also at LinuxTechShow.com. Don't forget to subscribe to both of those channels on YouTube. We're on Plex and Cody. You can get the code at GitHub.com slash cat 5 TV. And of course, our main website ties everything together, including our subscription links for RSS feeds and everything else at category5.tv. Have a fantastic week, everybody. See ya. Bye. See ya.